Thanks for listening to the Wellspring Church Podcast. Woo! Hey man, why don't you have a seat? Good morning. If you're a guest today, uh, my name is Trey Kelly. I'm the lead pastor here. And uh, man, I'm pumped you're here. I'm pumped we sang that song coming into uh, this, this message because I actually hadn't, hadn't paid attention to the set list. And uh, that song is perfect. It's almost like TJ prays over these and plans them uh, well in advance because, because, yeah, I mean, can I just tell you, you'll never go wrong in life singing about and focusing on the goodness of God, like ever. Um, but, but specifically for what we're going to talk about today, uh, yeah, just, just the more we rest in and, and walk in and, and, and believe that our God is good and that he has good things planned, um, the easier it is for us to trust, the easier it is for us to follow, and regardless of the circumstances, the better life gets. Uh, again, that doesn't mean circumstances get better. It means life gets better. Because we are more and more aware of the goodness of our God, who is always at work for our good, regardless of what's happening. So anyway, mini sermon before I begin the regular sermon. This is what happens when I don't speak regularly during the summer. I'm like, I just got to preach everything I can think of uh, while I'm on stage. In fact, I'm talking about summer. Um, a couple weeks ago, um, my wife and I, because our, our, our kids are all now involved in high school sports, we can't really travel much during the summer, so we took our kids to Atlanta for a long weekend to do a Braves game because uh, the Braves are just on fire right now and it was fun uh, to play Go Braves. Um, I've been a Braves fan since I was a little kid, so don't, don't, there's no bandwagon here. You know, raise your hand if you know who Dale Murphy is. Let's go! Right. I could do that for hours. All right, so we're in Atlanta and it reminded me of a trip that I took uh, we were just talking about it. We think this was like 2017, 2018. So uh, David and John would have been like, like nine and seven. And I decided to take them to Atlanta. I have family that live in Atlanta. And uh, it was going to be a quick trip. We we're going to be traveling with them the whole time. And so I just kind of splurged and cashed in uh, Delta points. And we just flew because we were going to ride with them. And I didn't feel like the six-hour car ride with little kids. And uh, so we did this not realizing that for John, who was seven at the time, that this was going to be his first time on an airplane. It wasn't his first time on an airplane. He used to fly when he was a baby, but he hadn't flown uh, since then, pretty much since we moved here, I guess, in 2008. So anyway, we uh, get on the plane, and John wanted to sit by the window, and so it's John, David, and then me. I'm on the aisle so I can spread my legs out. And John is super excited about the, about, the, about the plane ride. He's super excited about the flight. Never flown before. And so he's looking out the window. He's all excited. You know, you get ready to go. You get, you get seat belt. You get all buckled in. And, you know, it's, it's Myrtle Beach, so you don't wait long once you leave the, you know, you taxi for like two minutes, and then you're taking off. And so the second we started taking off, have you ever seen this happen to someone? Like, they're smiling. And have you ever seen a smile turn to dread? And like... Like in about four seconds. Like I'm watching John, and, and the second, you know, the pilot pushes it, and you kind of get, you feel that G-force, John just kind of. <laughs> and where he was just kind of resting on the armrest, he begins to grab the armrest. 
and, and I'm like, uh-oh, this might not go well. And you know that feeling, if you've ever flown, where the second you take off, you know, and it kind of takes off and you feel your stomach kind of drop. He did not like that at all. <laughs> His eyes got this big and he started going, ah, ah, and he's looking out the window and he immediately, I mean like immediately says, we're too high. And I'm like, we got a long way to go, brother. And, and we take off over the ocean, which is even worse. Because he's looking, he's like, oh, no. And so I'm sitting here thinking, you know what? i got to get him away from the window because he's scared. And so I just reach across David to John, and I unbuckle his seatbelt because I'm like, let's just swap with you. Yes, some of you are ahead of me. I do it. And he goes, what are you doing? And he, I mean, he, he buckles it immediately. He looks at me like, like, you have lost your mind, old man. And he is, I mean, he... And then finally we get up into the air and he starts breathing again. And he, we kind of level off. And I'm like, you okay? And he's like, maybe. <laughs> oh. And then after we, after we got in the air, um, and he, he did calm down, uh, I was like, bud, are you, are you going to be okay? And, and John, is, John is a very logical, very non-emotional, very just matter-of-fact and he just very clearly goes, oh, I'm fine now. He says, he's like, I had never felt that before. And I didn't know what to expect. And it scared me. And I was like, out of the mouth of babes. I never felt that before. I didn't know what to expect. And it scared me. I tell you that story because I've been a Christian now 30 years. And the number of times I find myself in situations where I didn't know what to expect. And I felt something. And it scared me. It's limitless. And my assumption is for all of us in the room, especially when it comes to our relationship with God and trying to follow God and trying to obey God. We've had moments, we've had seasons, we've had times where we feel something and because we don't know what it is, because we don't know what to do with it, it scares us. And that's what I want to talk about today for just a few minutes. Um, and to kind of help you get where I want to go, if you've been around our church for a while, you know, we have these things we call core values um, that kind of set us apart and define who we are as a church. And one of our core values that we talk about quite often at our church is this one. It's that we are rescued people who rescue people. Very simply, what that means is we believe, and in fact, I hope you come back next week because we're going to talk about this next week. Um, we believe that the message of Jesus isn't, hey, we're born bad and Jesus makes us good. We believe the message of Jesus is that we're born spiritually dead because we are born spiritually separated from our Heavenly Father and that Jesus gives us life. He literally rescues us. And once you become a Christ follower, his goal is to not just rescue you, but to move through you to rescue your friends, your family, your neighbors, your coworkers, anyone he sees fit. And sometimes, 
often actually, in that process, it will require us as the rescued to approach someone in need of rescue. To, to have a conversation. To answer questions. To talk about our faith. Now see, I grew up Southern Baptist from the age of nine. Before that, I was Methodist. So I'm wild. <laughs> A lot going on. And in the Southern Baptist world, uh, we called this personal evangelism. Uh, I grew up in a, in a denomination in faith where it was, this was very important. It was a really big deal that we looked for opportunities to personally share our faith with other people. And I will be completely transparent with you today. It always scared me to death. It always intimidated me because typically, I mean, we would go on mission trips and stuff and they would want us to walk up to complete and total strangers on the street and talk about Jesus. And man, I couldn't do it. I'll be fully transparent with you. I still can't do it. And so if that's you today, you and the pastor agree. That is not my wiring. Now, I had friends in high school. I had friends in college. I got a buddy right now uh, who, who's a pastor. And, I mean, that dude can walk into a Starbucks. He basically just looks for somebody sitting alone. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to go share Jesus with them. And he'll just sit down, start a conversation. And within five minutes, he's sharing Jesus. Maybe you've had lunch with these people who, like, the waiter comes over, the waitress. And within two, two questions, they're talking about Jesus. And I'm always in awe. I'm like, how do you do that? Because, because that's not my natural wiring to just go up and talk to, to, to strangers. And I think that's okay. I really do. So, so, so trust me, the, the point of today isn't go talk to a stranger about Jesus. The point is, those of us that call Jesus Lord, those of us that consider ourselves Christ followers have been rescued. And without a doubt, it is our job to help rescue other people. And from time to time, that will involve us having a direct, personal, one-on-one -on -one conversation with someone about our faith. And I'm willing to, to bet that even mentioning that in this room, speaking that over, maybe not all of you, but, but some, maybe most of you watching online, that makes you feel funny, doesn't it? That feels scary. It feels intimidating. It feels daunting. Maybe you've never done it before. And so you say, well, I wouldn't know what to say. I wouldn't know how to say it. I wouldn't know where to begin. What if they, what if they laugh at me? What if they reject me? What if they don't want to hear what I have to say? And if you've ever felt that way, if you feel that way now, if you think you might feel that way, if that's a struggle, the idea of sharing who Jesus is in your heart, sharing that with someone else, if it feels scary, if it feels overwhelming, if it feels daunting, you pick the perfect Sunday to be here. Because I don't believe God wants us to feel that way. And I think most of us feel that way because we don't know what's actually happening whenever we find ourselves in those moments. And so what I want to do very simply today is I want to take you to a story. I want to take you to a story from the book of Acts. Um, if you're familiar at all with our New Testament, 
Uh, it begins, the New Testament tells the story of Jesus. Uh, it begins with the four biographies of Jesus' life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then the fifth book is the book of Acts. It's written by the same guy that wrote the book of Luke. He was a historian. He was an early Christian. He was a companion of this guy, Paul, we talk about all the time, who wrote about the other, basically the other half of the, Old Testament, of the New Testament. And Luke writes a history of Jesus, and then he writes the book of Acts, which is a history of the early church. He basically picks up right as Jesus ascends into heaven, and then the Holy Spirit falls on the people of God, and a great revival breaks out in Jerusalem, and then it spreads through Paul and through him traveling around basically to the known world at the time uh, by the end of Acts. And in Acts chapter 8, there's a story recorded for us about this man named Philip. Philip was one of the 12 disciples. He had walked with Jesus. He had been with Jesus for three years. And we have this amazing story about Philip being asked to share his faith. The reason I love this story is because I hope that through it, every single one of us can in advance decide that that feeling we might get when it might be time to talk about Jesus with someone, that feeling that might scare us, that after we see what God's actually doing, that we can redefine that emotion, redefine that feeling, and allow it to excite us into taking the step God's asking us to take. So if you have your Bibles, you can open them to Acts chapter 8. If not, we're going to have it up here on the screen. And here's how the writer of the book of Acts, a guy named Luke, tells this story. And since Philip was the only one there, we're pretty sure he got the story directly from Philip. Philip and Luke are hanging out one day, and Philip tells him the story. And Luke's like, I'm putting that in my history because that's a great story. Because here's what we're told, starting in verse 26. As for Philip, the reason it says as for Philip is because Philip has actually just been in Samaria with two other disciples. I believe it was John and Peter. They were preaching. They were sharing the good news. God was moving. Uh, John and Peter decided to go back to Jerusalem. Okay? And as for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So, so Philip is where he's supposed to be. He's doing what God's asking him to do. Two of his friends go back home, but he hears the Spirit of God. He hears the Holy Spirit say, hey, I want you to walk a different direction. I want you to walk that way. The Spirit doesn't say, go share your faith. The Spirit doesn't say, go do something. He just says, hey, I want you to walk that way. The Holy Spirit spoke to him. And I know for some of us, we hear that. And it can feel confusing, overwhelming. Like, what do you mean the Holy Spirit spoke to him? You mean like audibly, like directly? How did he know this? And, and the best way I could describe it is if you consider yourself a Christian, it's that voice in your head that says, hey, don't do that. When you're about to do something, you know God would want you to do. Um, it's, it's that voice when we're sitting in here on a Sunday morning, and maybe when you're reading your Bible or when you're praying, and we talk about something in that voice that says, you know what, I should really try this in my life. That's the Holy Spirit. Um, it, it's that leading when, for, for whatever reason, you don't know why you're going about your day and a friend just pops in your mind. Or, 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 or a child or your, or your parent. They just pop in your mind and you don't know why, but you're like, you know what, I just, I just feel like I should call them. And then you do, and they say, man, I was just thinking about you. That, that's what we Christians call the prompting 
of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to be constantly prompting those of us who are Christ followers to take steps towards him. The reason I say prompt is because I've been saying this a lot for the last six months. Um, God is a gentleman. God does not force himself on us. God invites us. He waits to be invited. And so his Holy Spirit will prompt us. We'll say, hey, you should go do this. Hey, you should try this. You should, you should take this step of obedience. You should, you, should, you should go this way. You should, you should try that. And it's up to us to listen to that prompting, to receive that prompting, and to walk in that prompting. And the really cool thing that happens as Christians is the more we receive, the more we listen, the more we follow, the easier it is to hear. And unfortunately for some of us, the reason we don't hear this prompting, it isn't even because we're sinning. It's because we're too busy. It's because we're too noisy. It's because we're too loud. It's because we never stop and create space in our day for God to speak. Well, now Philip here is riding a spiritual high. He's just been in Samaria. He's been teaching. He saw the Holy Spirit fall. You know, if you grew up in church, you know, maybe if you were in youth group, it's the way you felt at youth camp. You know, you were like, man, I'm going to do everything God wants me to do. And then you came home and you were like, never mind. <sighs> it's the way you feel on Sunday afternoons between here and the car. You know, that sweet, sweet 45 seconds of God, I'm going to change the world for you. Oh, God, you crank your car. God, I'm going to do everything you want me to do. God, it's going to be great. You pull out the parking lot. God, it's going to be amazing. You get on 501, never mind. You're familiar. But the Holy Spirit prompted Philip. I promise you, if you're a son or a daughter of the king, you consider yourself a Christ follower, the Holy Spirit is prompting you. He's prompting you to steps of obedience. He's prompting you to leaps of faith. He's prompting you to acts of service. And sometimes he's going to prompt you to share your faith. is we have to listen. Philip had no idea what was going on, but he heard the Holy Spirit say, go that way. He heard him say, walk this way. So Philip decides to walk where the Spirit asks him to walk. And Wellspring, I'm telling you, good things happen when you walk where the Spirit tells you to walk. Let's keep reading. So he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Kondike, the queen of Ethiopia. I just learned this. Kondike was her title. And we think that's where the, word, the, the name Candace comes from. Just a little side note for you. Just some free of charge. <laughs> so Philip is traveling down this road, and we're told that he meets this official that serves the queen of Ethiopia. Now again, Luke is sort of telling us what's going to happen because Philip did not know he was going to meet anyone. In fact, by this time, Philip hasn't met anyone. At this point, Philip has met this, this authority figure the same way you've met someone driving beside you on the road. They're sharing space, but they haven't had a conversation yet. But anyway, Philip starts walking and he notices 
this person. And again, he finds this out later. This is Luke telling us later what he actually knew. But here's what, here's what had actually been going on. We find out that this official had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning. So this, this Ethiopian official had been in Jerusalem worshiping at the temple, worshiping at the center of the Jewish faith. Now, odds are he wasn't actually a convert to Judaism as much as he was trying to build relations between nations. Hey, I'm going to go. I'm going to learn about your God. I'm going to be respectful of your God. But, but we know that somewhere along the way, somewhere around being in the temple, worshiping, something has piqued his interest. Okay, we would not say he's yet invested in the things of God, but he is definitely interested in the things of God. We know this because of what we're told next. He's seated in his carriage, and he's reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. So he's riding back home, and he's reading from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah was a prophet in the Old Testament. We have a book in our Old Testament called Isaiah. That's what he's reading. And you may wonder, why was he reading it aloud? And it, it's actually pretty simple. In those days, when they wrote scrolls, um, there, there, was a, there was an economy that they had to, to uh, manage because there wasn't a lot of paper available. So they had to squeeze everything they could into the smallest amount of paper possible. And so when they would write, they would not use space. There was no spacing. There was no punctuation. They just crammed all the letters together. And so the best way to actually differentiate the words was to sound it out out loud. Because if you read it out loud, it was much easier to see the spaces and to see the different words. So he's reading this out loud. Now, it is very important in this part of the story for me to remind you again Philip had absolutely no idea any of this was happening when he decided to walk where Jesus told him to walk. He disobeyed. All he heard was, go down that road, and he did. He had no idea that there was an official of the Ethiopian government who had been in the temple, who was now going home reading the book of Isaiah. He knows none of this. In fact, he still doesn't know it because here's what we're told. We're told that the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. Philip still has no idea what's going on. Philip's just walking where God told him to walk. And then the Holy Spirit says, okay, go get a little closer. Again, the Holy Spirit doesn't say, go tell him about Jesus. The Holy Spirit doesn't say, go convert him. What does the Holy Spirit say? Get closer. You know why? That was the only way to connect. He says, hey, just get closer. Get closer. Side note, for the people in your life, friends, family, neighbors, coworkers who maybe aren't Christians yet, their conversion will be a product of your connection. We must connect before we can convert. Do you know that? It's why I love them. God bless them. I think they have the right intentions, but they're doing it wrong. The guys on the street with the bullhorn screaming at people. I'm like, oof. What you're saying might be true, man, but you're trying to convert before you connect. 
Think about your own story. How many of you had somebody yell at you, call you a sinner, and be like, you know what, I want to hear more of that. <laughs> Tell me more about Jesus. Let's go. No, it was someone who loved you. It was someone who connected with you. And then you said, man, tell me what's going on. Tell me what's different. That's what's happening here. Now remember, Peter still, I mean, Peter, Philip still knows nothing about what's going on. He just says, go over. And then at this part of the story, Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. We don't know how long Philip's been walking. We don't know how thirsty he is. We don't know how tired he is. We don't know how many times he said, God, did you really tell me to walk down this road? God, was that just my brain playing tricks on me? God, am I sure? Are you sure? And then he sees the man. He's like, all right, maybe this is it. And he gets closer. And the Holy Spirit says, get closer. And so Philip gets closer, and it's not until he gets close enough to hear what the man is reading that Philip goes, ah, oh, I see what you're up to, God. Oh, I see. Because who would have ever expected an Ethiopian official interested but not yet invested in the things of God to be exactly where God told Philip to walk? Who would have ever thought it? God, that's who. Because I think the reason this story is recorded for us isn't about what Philip did. I think it's for us to see what God was already doing. See, I believe there is a principle about our Heavenly Father that we can discover from this passage. And it is a principle we can, we can apply to every aspect of faith, to every step of obedience, but specifically to those seasons, to those moments, to those opportunities where we feel like, God, am I supposed to talk about you here? Am I supposed to share you here? And it's this very simple but life-changing truth. When God prompts, He also prepares when God prompts you to take a step, he's preparing whoever the receiver is to receive it. The Old Testament and the New Testament confirms this over and over and over and over again. Our God doesn't speak in a vacuum. He doesn't say, hey, go do this. Hope that works. Because God is primarily interested in growing your faith and your trust in him. Using you to change the world is a byproduct of you falling in love and trusting him with everything you have. So you can be confident every single time the Holy Spirit prompts, every single time he says, hey, take a step, he has prepared the way for you to take that step. He has prepared in advance the results. And you're not even responsible for them. All you're responsible for is to step. That's what Philip did. He walked where Jesus told him to walk. Jesus said, get closer. Philip did. And then he realizes, this guy's reading about my Savior. And look what Philip does. Even now, Philip doesn't jump to, let me tell you. He asks a connecting question. He says, hey, do you understand what you're reading? Do, do, you, do you understand what's going on here? Do you, do you get what's happening? See, Philip takes the opportunity now to have a conversation because he understands I've been prompted. This guy's interested. I'm going to step into this moment. He, he, he steps into what's been prepared for him. Unfortunately, to be honest, I think because of the fear of the feeling, we don't often 
step into it. We make excuses for other people. Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. But how many of you have ever had this happen where you and your spouse are talking, you and your friends are talking, and you know there's a certain series starting at the church or a certain Sunday, and there's a person on your heart, and like, I really want to invite them to go. I want to invite them to join. And rather than invite them between Friday and Sunday, you make up their excuses for why you won't invite them. Who I'm seeing some nods, so I'll just look straight ahead. <laughs> and look, I'm not, I'm not knocking it. I get why you do it. Because the feeling is scary. The fear of rejection is scary. But see, when God prompts, he also prepares. And you know how I really know that's true? The vast majority of you are here in this room today because God prompted someone else to invite you. And so what would happen if the next time you feel that prompting, you remembered the story? You remembered this truth? Hey, you know what? When God prompts, he also prepares. You know what? I'm going to invite him. I'm at least going to reach out and say, hey, I was thinking about you this week. How are you doing? Anything I can do for you? Anything I can pray for you about? Seek to connect. That's what Philip does is, do you understand what you're reading? And here's how the, here's how the official responds. He says, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. He's like, I don't really know. Do you know? Come on in. And then we are shown what he was actually reading. He was reading specifically from the book of Isaiah, a prophet, I mean, a prophecy about Jesus. Here's what he was actually reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants for his life was taken from the earth? This was written by Isaiah as a promise to the nation of Israel that one day God is going to send a Messiah who is going to rescue you. And this is what that Messiah will do. This is what the Ethiopian official is reading on his way home from worshiping, Philip had no idea. He simply walked where God told him to walk. So Philip discovers what he's reading. The official asks Philip a question. He says, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? Like, what's going on here? <laughs> Watch this. So, beginning with the same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. You know what I think that sounded like? I think Philip said, hey, this passage, it came true, and I watched it happen. See, there was this man named Jesus, and for three years, he was my king, he was my leader, he was my lord, he taught me everything. I watched him die, and I watched him come back to life. He died for the forgiveness of our sins, and he came back to life so that we could live our new, whole, complete life in him. I lived it. I saw it happen. See, I don't think Philip went on this long theological treatise. I don't think he had to, to defend. I think Philip said, this is talking about Jesus. He changed my life. Let me tell you my story. And I am convinced every single time any one of us have an opportunity to share our faith with someone else, this is the model. Hey, let me tell you how Jesus has changed my life. 
Let me tell you what Jesus has meant for me. I mean, I'll tell you how Jesus has helped me forgive people. Now, Jesus has helped me find freedom and healing from the, from the past pain and hurts in my life. And how Jesus has set me, me free to, to know I don't always have to be anxious and I don't always have to worry. And, and when I have struggles, he, he, I know where to go. And he's my good shepherd and he, and he leads me and he, and he helps me. That's who Jesus is. And that's the story your Holy Spirit is asking you to tell. Anytime you feel that moment, anytime you feel that opportunity to talk about who Jesus is. What would happen if you remembered this truth that when God prompts, he also prepares? That if God's prompting you to share, if God's prompting you to have a conversation, if God's prompting you to brag on Jesus, he's prepared someone to receive it. Now, Philip had really great success. Here's what we're told that happened. So they rode along, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? This dude don't play. He was ready to become a Christian. And so we're told, you know what? That works. He ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. Not just a man, a nation. Because we know this man took his faith back to Ethiopia. And then the Ethiopians continued to seek out and search out Christianity. A nation was changed because Philip walked where Jesus told him to walk. Who might Jesus use you to change? Are there family trees that could be changed? Are there corporate headquarters that could be changed? Are there neighborhoods that could be changed? Well, let's get a little closer to home. Is there a spouse that needs to be changed? A parent, a grandparent, an aunt, an uncle? And you've thought about it and you've tried and you've tried, but every time you think about it, you get so nervous and that feeling wells up inside of you and you don't know what to expect. And so you just say, Phew. I'm not doing that. What would happen if God's truth could be the anchor in that moment? If you and I and all of us could agree, hey, when God prompts, he also prepares. So if he's prompting me in this moment, that means he's preparing them in this moment. And so I'm going to share but I need to be very clear with you. We don't always have the success Philip had right then. Sometimes it takes prompting after prompting after prompting after prompting. Again, don't raise your hand, but how many of you that are here because someone invited you? How many of you came the first time you were invited? Probably not many. Maybe it took two invites, three invites, five invites, 12 invites. There are families that currently attend and serve our church that I know for fact were invited, prayed for, for over a decade. It took a decade. 
decade of prompting. And a decade of people faithfully saying, hey, God, you prompt, I'm going I'm I'm to invite again, I'm going to ask again, I'm going to pray again. And now they're here. And now God gets to prompt them to share their story as well. At the end of our trip to Atlanta with John, when we got back on the plane to fly home, I was more prepared. And so right before we take off, I look at him. I say, buddy, you okay? Big grin. Great. Really? Yeah. He said, I'm really excited for the weird part. I was like, what do you mean? He said, you know that part where we take off and you lose your stomach? I'm really excited about that. I'm like, yeah, but that's what scared you the most last time. He said, yeah, but now I know what to expect. The first step of obedience is always the hardest. Fighting through that fear. Fighting through the weird part. Be honest, bringing up Jesus can feel weird. And we don't discover the goodness of it. We don't discover the preparation. We don't get more comfortable until we push through the weird part. Because when we do, when we see God move, we begin to identify that. And to get excited for that because we know, oh God, you're up to something. So my prayer for you this week is very simple. If God's Holy Spirit prompts you, really in any step of obedience. But if there's a prompt, you know, have a conversation, to send a text, to send an email. You start to feel that anxiety. You start to feel the weird part. Remember this truth. When God prompts, He also prepares. And when we step into that prompting and we see the preparation, our relationship with Him grows. Our trust deepens. And we will find ourselves excited about the very thing that scared us. Because we know God is at work. So my prayer this week for all of us is that you will be prompted. And that when you are, you will step. So that you will discover for yourself that we have a God who not only prompts, He also prepares. Let me pray. Father, we love you so much. We're just so overwhelmed by your goodness, how you walk before us in every area of life. And I pray you just give us the confidence to trust, the confidence to rest, the confidence to walk where you ask us to walk. Jesus, give us opportunities this week to step. I beg your Holy Spirit, even now, to begin prompting. Whisper to us steps of faith you're asking us to take. Whisper to us people that we can reach out to, people we can connect with, Father. May we be open to your prompting and trusting of your preparation as we do all we can to follow you every day of our lives. We love you. We thank you. So in your son's name we pray. Amen.